0: From the world of AV programming and control with James King, I'm Steve Greenblatt, and this is Ask the Programmer. James, how are you today?
1: I'm doing good.
0: Uh, how about yourself, you? I'm doing well, I'm, I'm real excited. Today's gonna be a, a really fun and interesting show. We have someone who's joining us who should be familiar to our audience, but is very familiar to me and also to James. He is my other half, my partner at Estata Control. He's known as Uncle Richie to some, but his name is Rich Fergosa. Welcome, Rich. Thanks for being with us.
2: Oh, this is great being on. I mean, I, I normally bull my way through fireside chats on art shows, but to be an actual uh, interviewee, this might be a first for me. Uh I'm going, I almost feel like I need to tagline it with this is Ask the Programmer. <laughs> <laughs> well- uh thanks for having me on. This is this is great. I've been following your guys' show, and I, I couldn't be prouder of, of you know. It, from the periphery of, of what you guys are doing. And, and, you know, the more stuff that we can get out there for our programming community, so much the better.
1: Well,
0: thanks for that. And, and, you know, James and I really wanted you to join us for a few reasons. One, um, for you and me, um, we wanted to congratulate you on uh, 100 episodes of A State of Control, which is something that. I know that we recently recorded, and we both took a lot of pride in, and it was was a bit of a sentimental moment, and and I think that's something that we should share a little bit about, and we also wanted you to be able to share a little bit about your background because we want to be able to tell people's stories here, and we want uh, everyone to get to know you a little bit better, and also maybe hear some of what's been going on in the early days and how far we've come. Um, because for some that are new to this, uh, it, it really it wasn't always like this back in the day.
2: Yeah, you know, I think uh, what's the term they call us the old heads these days. Uh, it, you know, I, I think starting first with with episode 100, it was special. It was,, um, I don't think when we started the show that we expected nine years later, uh, that we would, you know, be feeling, as energized and, and, you know, kind of hidden with the same energy. <laughs> I think sometimes we didn't know if you'd asked us nine years ago, if we'd still be wanting to do this nine years later <laughs> that, that we'd be around. Um, but there we were. And, and uh, you know, the, it was kind of the organic part of how AV Nation started in the beginning. I mean, AV Nation, um, I, you know, we've talked about it on other shows and, and, you know, I mean, our, our good friend, Tim Albright who started the whole shebang, um, along with Bradford and, you know, Matt and, and, and others, but, but it was kind of Tim's brainchild was, uh, it started all one day with, uh, with, uh, Google Hangouts. And we were sending out, it was right when it was being introduced and a couple of people, uh, were like, well, Hey, let's get together. And people from different parts of the industry who hadn't met each other, got on a show one day and said, let's try recording it and see what happens. And as they say, the rest is history. Um, and, you know, it, it started really from, from that show that started with AV Week and got everybody together and kind of caught on to, you know, there's some other verticals. And we looked at, you know, the education sector and enterprise and social. And, you know, there were so many interesting shows in the early days. And, you know, you and I were just talking, you know, before we started recording, it, was, it wasn't it was like there was this hit list of shows that we needed to hit. And then it was this talent sh- search it was I honestly and and, I mean it's it it almost seems like we've always been doing the show that I don't always remember how it started but it pretty much started with you know we recorded one of the shows and really it's when you and I I mean we knew of one another but we didn't know each other it was the first time for our personalities to get together and and you know you came up with the hey well why not a programming show and uh I think Tim had looked, he was like, well, Rich, you want to do it. I'm like, no, Steve's the guy for it. And I mean, you literally jumped in with both feet and, and it was, it just kind of happened. And then, uh, you know, basically running, uh, you know, monthly for, for nine years uh, it's been wild. And it's like, I talk about like my business and it's the same thing with my business. It's the same thing with, with these, these podcasts is I'm just glad I get to do stuff with my friends. There, there's not a lot of business sectors out there, and there's not a lot of people I talk to, you know, outside of our industry that I tell them, yeah, I'm just doing this with my buddies. And how long, you know, I've known them for years, and what we do, I we do these podcasts, or we work together, and you don't hear that that often. That like, you know, people just together get together and do projects with their friends, and they get paid for it, um, and and so. You know, I think with with the state of control, that's always been the best part, because I know at least once a month I'm going to run into an old friend or I get to make a new one. Um, And along the way, we've talked about it over the years. um, And you and I are you know, I, I I don't think we are vocal about it always, but it's always the underlying nature of who we are, is that we've always been about reach one, teach one. And we, we, we've always called it the tribal knowledge, right? Passing the tribal knowledge, which was the experience and the wisdom that came from doing all of these things. And there's lots of different ways to get to how we are into having companies like ours and being in positions like ours and making a living like we do that not necessarily means coming from a computer science track. Uh, you know, we were talking about it earlier. I never intended to be a programmer, you know. I mean, I I know for several years I'd, you know, I'd get introduced as oh, this is the program, and I'd still bristle and you know, I want to say X, Y, Z. I'm like, you know, after a while you're like, Yep, that's that's who I am. But I um I actually started in sales. I was uh I was a, a sales guy, and uh I mean I had a computer background. It was just you know, I was a child of the of the you know, I was born in 70s. So I was literally that first generation of kids where, um, you know, I always had two things that were kind of common threads in my life as a kid as I always had tech and, and computers and I was always selling, you know, I was the kid selling candy bars and, uh, you know, doing all of the sales competitions as a kid for school and hustling and always, always had a hustle, you know, when I was a kid, I was, uh, I think my first job, I was nine and I sold uh, sodas at Candlestick Park. And so I used to, that was, that was my first gig. I'd ride the bus. It was a 20 minute bus ride to the games and sell, you know, hawk sodas and hot dogs and everything. And, uh, and, uh, (laughs) you know, that was the, you know, take the, take the bus out and take the bus back through, not exactly the nicest neighborhoods in San Francisco, but uh, you know, that at the same time at nine, I I had that hustle. And uh, my buddies and I, I remember um, he got his, First, uh, it was an Atari fifty two hundred with the whopping, uh, I want to say it was either eight k or sixteen k cartridge. And uh, now, keep in mind that none of this you could store. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was read uh, it was wrong. So we would go over to his house and load up on sodas and chips and snacks and whatever, and we would uh, start at like seven or eight o'clock at night. And we would code and we would just code in basic and we'd make blackjack games or everything like that. And like, we, you know, you'd build a working blackjack game, and you'd work until like four o'clock in the morning and then you'd have to turn it
1: off and it was gone. <sighs> so, Rich, let me I'll pull a Bradford Ben here and you use it. Akron, ROM. I now, of course, I know what it is. I'm sure Steve does, but you got to find it and explain how that impacts programmers read only memory
2: raw had, uh, two options and it actually, it relates to the Crestron side of things with, with their EEPROMs, which was the next iteration down the road. But, um, you had, uh, a memory chip that would only retain the information as long as it was powered on. And the minute that it lost power, that information was gone. Um, uh, but at, at that time, the technology was uh, the fact that you could do it in the first place was uh, pretty amazing because prior to that, you had the, um, oh what was it the uh, the the keyboards, the typewriters that would have the one line of text um, and that was uh, the, word uh, the word processors, yeah. word processors. Um, that was the iteration before where you had a single line of text and the only memory that you had available was that character set. I mean, so you 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 were you weren't even talking 8K, you were talking like bytes of information. And, but we've gone from that where we've gone from having to deal with a byte of information to terabytes of information over the course of you know my lifetime and and you know and hopefully i've got more uh in my lifetime now but i mean you know i'd say the past what 40 years that we've seen that that transformation but you know for the younger guys you know that was something that uh the the older programmers we had a limited amount of resources we couldn't just throw on uh more ram or more expansion or any of these things when when we all started out we were told here's a processor Here's X amount of information on it. Not one drop more. (laughs) And and away you go. So the, uh, yeah, the old ones were wrong. And so we started out as, I started out as a little kid programmer. And um, I remember I got my first computer. It was probably like a 386 or something like that. And going on to being able to get on uh, pre-internet, they used to call them bulletin board services, where you'd basically, you'd hook up your phone and you dial a number. And other people with computers would dial these numbers, and it's almost the equivalent now of, uh, you know, prehistoric Discord is probably the way that I would call it. Um, you would get people dialing in from all over the city or the state or the country as as they grew, and you would have forums, and people would exchange information, and and that would there were programming forums, and you know you would you would figure out how to uh, how to work your way into you know, I mean, the, the the fun thing used to be is you'd hunt, you'd dial phone numbers, you'd see, uh, you'd start on the phone book, you'd start with the phone number list, and you'd pick an industry, You're like, oh, let's pick a bank, let's pick this business, and you'd start dialing through numbers, and if you heard a, you know, tone or something, you know, that was, that was sport as a kid, right, you know, and you talk about the early hackers, that's like, those were the kids who were doing it, we, it, was, it wasn't like some plan, like, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't war games at that point, it was just little kids farting around, <laughs> Let's see what they could do. And I was one of them um, at that point. I mean, but Isn't
1: that how we all kind of get in into any kind of tech is let's see if we could break this. Like, what can we do to this? We're taking it out of the box and modifying it some way, somehow to fit our needs. That's what we all do. It was fun. You know, I mean, it still is, but I I mean, I'm I'm 100% with
2: that. And, uh, you know, it, it was uh, when we started out, uh, like I said, I, 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 yes, I probably shouldn't be surprised that I found myself in this position. I, I just think in the beginning, that's not where I intended to go. Cause I had, uh, i had always stayed with tech. I'd always stayed with sales. I'd stayed with the arts. Um, you know, I, I, I performed, you know, from the time I was 12 on, I used to do video. I went to, I went to film school, um, all things. I, I, I went for video production and, uh, you know, as a, as a teenager, we had our own, uh, the school that I was at, and we were fortunate, we had our own in-house television station. So, I mean, even being an announcer and being on air and, and all of those things, it's, you know, funny to think that those were all kind of laying the seeds at that point. But, you know, we used to do the morning telecast, and I would go out and, you know, do on-field interviews and and uh you know the last years with with uh one of my buddies I got to be the technical director and uh you know we used to run the productions and uh you know and then went off to school and it was you know trying to figure out how to uh I think when I got there I discovered that I didn't want to make corporate videos for a living (laughs) and that's when that's when things started turning I'm like this is not nearly as fun as a job as I thought it was gonna be and uh I had gone to NYU, I had gone to Tish, NYU, and I went, not for me, and uh, came back to San Francisco. And of all things, I, I laughed. People were like, how did you get started? Pure accident. I was, I came back from school, um, didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that I wanted to meet um, interesting uh, people. And so I decided that I was going to, uh, uh, at Fisherman's Wharf. And you'll see them in tourist destinations uh, like in Hawaii and other places. I was this place called Pearls in the Oyster. And I used to sell, I decided that I wanted to uh, date tourists. So I got a job at Pearls in the Oyster. And I'd gotten back from school. And a friend of mine had said, ran into me just out of the blue, walking Fisherman's Wharf. And he said, Hey, I'm doing, I've got this gig that you might be interested in. And I was like, Well, what's that? He said, Well, there's this. Stereo store, big retailer. They were called the Good Guys. He said, um, "We're putting in, we're doing all of the installations for them of these in-wall speakers." I'm like, oh wow, that's kind of cool. And uh, he's like, "Do you want the? Do you want a gig?" And so I'm like, yeah, I'm sitting here selling pearls. That sounds like a whole lot more fun." And, and uh, my entry into the the industry, uh, you know, keep in mind I had sales background, I had tech background, all these things. Um, but I apprenticed for him for three months as an installer. and I discovered I was the worst installer on the planet. I I, to the day I, I remember he still kids me about this. Um I didn't think that wire strippers made any sense. And I came to him one day when I was trying to trim some wires and I showed him my my cool kid and what I had learned as a skill. And I had nail trimmers. And I was using the nail trimmers to skin the jacket. And I thought I I had invented fire and he just kind of looked at me. So that that gives you the idea early on of my technical skills. And, uh, um, you know, and these are kind of the Uncle Richie fireside chats that, you know, hopefully, you know, if anybody comes across and meets me um, at any of the shows or something, pull me over and say hi. You know, if I'm sitting somewhere and we have a drink, it's just like. Steve will tell you, we've had so many dinners and so many times where we're sitting over the years where I'm just like, I couldn't make, I can't make up the things that have happened to me and relating the stories that are just fun, that it just, it's what makes it what we worked on. And so, yeah, I remember the day that I I was, um, uh, I decided that I was not going to be an installer. We were doing a restaurant and, uh, it was the 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 night of the uh, critics' dinner. So everything was, wasn't was still quite done. Scaffolds and stuff were done and it, it, still stuff needed to go in. They were starting to take the scaffolds down. And we still had some speakers that we had to put in. And so I'm 20-something, almost 30 feet off the ground. I get up into the scaffold and I'm not a tall guy. Man, everybody knows that. And I've got a speaker in one hand and a, and a drill in the other. And I reach up and I'm like two feet short of the ceiling i'm on a scaffold mind you and it's kind of moving and and i'm looking around going what do i do and i'm asking like one of the old guys one of the old painters or something and i'm like what do i do and he looks at me kid you not he says this is construction son grab a paint bucket. oh no <laughs> obviously osha was not watching what was happening at that moment i remember being on the scaffold on this little bucket Swaying so back and forth, getting this thing and going, if I get through this, I am never, ever doing this again. That was my last install job at that point. And uh, from there, like I said, I'm still good friends with the guy who got me started. I went to, uh, I found a, uh, a boutique high end audio store in San Francisco. And again, always had dealt with computers, always dealt with sales. I was kind of really good with it. Um, I wound up getting there as a salesman originally and uh, custom A.B. was still a brand new thing, Um, I found out I was really good at databases and gathering information. And so my first job in custom was I became their director of custom because I finally figured out that I could go to all of the local um, permit offices in the San Francisco Bay Area. And I keep in mind I'm in San Francisco, and so these are high-income areas, and figured out that, every few weeks, I could just basically drive around and pull all the permits for new construction and high-end renovations. And what I did is I built a computer program that we input all of that data. And then we um, targeted high-income renovations and permits and everything else based on the permit cost and built a marketing plan. And that was uh, kind of the first part of the gig that apart from the programming side that I, I built, I built their custom division. And it was funny is that, I mean, I left a couple of years later, I'd go back and see them. They were still using the same software that I had built all those years before. Cause they were like, well, it, it works. Um, and, uh, the next go around I got into and how I got into the programming side was, um, was a good friend of mine. Um, Adam Stone, who is the founder of D Tools, who is now enjoying his uh, semi retirement uh, in the Far East. Uh, he and I and a whole bunch of integrators were at a lunch one day. And it's funny, we always talk about it's a we always felt like we were kind of an Old Testament story because there was a bunch of us that sat at one table who've gone on to do other things in the industry. Um, and we all met this at one Niles audio training, um, you know, with old names that you'll hear of and you see in these magazines and everything else. And, uh, he and I got together and he was like, Hey, I'm, you know, I've got this custom gig that I'm doing. I've got some other stuff. And I was like, Oh, well, that sounds like fun too. Let's go do that. And that was, uh, we were called, uh, satellite. Gosh, I don't even remember the name of the old company, but, uh, Oh, we were home theater by satellite TV center. We used to sell satellite dishes and, uh, we uh, moved into custom and we got into this automation thing. And 1991, tail end of 1991, was the first Crestron processor that I got my hands on. Um, Went through my first training um, and to, you know, he would always deny it, but our good friend Freddie Bargetzi was my trainer uh, for my first Crestron class. And also the only person who's ever thrown me out of a class. (laughs) <laughs> and he would deny it day in and day out. I'm like, I was there. Um, but anyway, I was the sales guy when we started with Crestron. And again, programming, I thought it was cool, but my, you know, I was, I was marketing. I was design. I was all of the other things. Programming was not something that I intended to do. I wanted somebody else to do it. And we had one at the time. We had a a guy who worked for us who was going to be, you know, quote, unquote, the programmer. And we were in the middle of a job. And I remember to the day. It was 1992, um, and I had I had just sold for this time was a was a big deal. I had sold my first six figure job in 1992, residential, hmm. um, for basically a room, a theater, full packed hmm. theater, um, you know, double stack projectors and the early THX. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. And uh, we had a very specific deadline to reach, and the client was great, great, great guy. Um, so we're going through the project and we're getting towards the tail end of the project. So we had the equipment in, um, you know, we're getting ready to start commissioning. And my programmer had a tragic, tragic uh, family accident. And long story short, my programmer had to abruptly quit. Um, He leaves. We have no programmer. I call the client and I start explaining and he goes, you know, I hear what you're saying. I empathize what's going on but you've signed on to finish a deal and i expect the job to be done Adam and i kind of looked at each other and went here we go and i you know again it sounds like one of those stories that is it shouldn't be true but i locked myself in my office for two weeks picked up uh <laughs> picked up uh the crestron software and, and and at that time it was workshop crestron workshop we were still in dos um and spent two weeks teaching myself how to, uh, code in Crestron workshop and, uh, put together our early panels of, uh, of the Crestron software. And from that day, I am now 30 years later talking in front of you as, as a, a, a reluctant, uh, unexpected Crestron programmer. Um, it kind of went from there. And then, uh, so that was our first job and so we were we were integrators at the time. Fast forward a couple of years, um Adam was looking to do different things, obviously great things. Um I wanted to kind of figure out the next step for myself and I went into the consulting side and uh had a couple of partners that we got together with in uh, the mid 90s and uh became the uh became the the uh, kind of my brainchild was we built a a bespoke uh, custom programming division, where we were uh, one of a handful of the first, uh, well, I guess now, what we call it, the, the, CS, the early CSPs. So the capes
0: back then. The right? capes
2: back then. And so, yeah, we were one of the very first residential. Now, there were quite a few that were doing it in the commercial and education, everything else. But we were one of the first residential contract programming groups during that period of time. And we got to work with everybody. So we were not only doing restaurant, we were doing AMX. We were doing everybody at the time. And and it was fun because, yeah, like Steve remembers, this is when you still had uh, direct extension numbers to everybody. And and, uh, a lot of the people that you see in the industry and a lot of the people that we know all go back to that mid nineties, you know, early 2000 period of, we were all around the same age, all starting out in our careers and we've all branched out into different things. Um, But it's great to see that, you know, everybody still has that bond together and uh, yeah. And then kind of worked our way up and we built that and we had a great time. We had some fantastic projects. We grew the company. um, And, I got to the point where the company was doing really well that um, I wasn't having fun. And I discovered halfway through that as much as I enjoyed uh, the growth of the company, I wasn't really having a lot of fun managing uh, the people, the people that I was working with were getting to do the stuff. And I just got to move the pieces around. And so uh, in 2000, uh, I decided to branch back off on my own, and went to put hung my name on the shingle, and decided that we were going to uh, kind of work on the you know we we kind of turned, we coined the term we were we went the digital concierge route, and so we decided to work kind of bespoke and uh, work very quietly and kind of in in the background with uh, a bunch of integrators across the country, and uh, we've we've really enjoyed um, kind of being the support structure without any of the uh, limelight on us. And so uh, over the course of, yeah, I guess 22 years, you know, uh, had some fantastic friendships and business relationships that we formed with a lot of integrators across the country and other programming firms. And uh, we like coming in and uh, kind of being the uh, the Swiss army knife. Uh, you know, we went from being programming only when I was on the consulting side, um, got back into design and project management and, uh, client liaison, contract negotiation. Uh, and fortunately, uh, you know, since we have the ability, since we're small, to kind of pick and choose, we get to work not, you know, when Resi was down for a bit, we refocused on commercial and commercial was great. And we had a whole lot of fun doing that. And then when we saw dip in commercial, we got, we're able to go to Resi and educational. And uh, so we're we're kind of fortunate in that, um, you know, we, we get to play in a lot of different, playgrounds with others. And so, uh, maybe I'm just stubborn that way. I just, I, I didn't want to focus on one thing I liked. I liked, you know, I liked learning too much and meeting everybody else that, you know, doing something 50 stories up in a executive boardroom was just as thrilling for us as doing a 25 seat movie theater and, uh, you know, or doing a lecture hall. And we're fortunate that we've been able to, you know, consistently work in all three of those across the way and, and play. And, uh, it's been interesting. Like I said, and, and, and it's exposed me to, to everybody here. I mean, if I, I think if I had concentrated in just one uh, vertical, I, I wouldn't have the breadth and the experience that I could draw upon. And, and that's the big thing um, with longevity is that I've just got a list of people. I know that if I'm in over my head, I can call. And, and I think for programmers, that's the hardest part, right? Is getting, being able to learn that it's okay to pick up the phone, It's okay to reach out and and we have the tools now to do it. So you know, 30 something so, odd years later from selling Cokes and coding blackjack games to
1: <laughs> to fireside man, chats man. with Uncle Richie. See, Uncle, um, uh, I could sit here and listen to you talk all day, Rich- <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Richard and Richie, and I'm sure all our listeners can. But like, I, I think that's a great um, stopping and point and get uh, to wrap this up. Um, I know Steve, you've been kind of quiet there. You have anything to add? No, no, I
0: just like listening as well. And I think you know a couple of things that came to mind for me was that one, these are the types of stories that really inspire podcasts, and this is also what makes building this community so important because we need to be able to share these stories and we need to be able to to have those contacts and be exposed to the connections. And everybody has a different route that they took and. And I'm fascinated because I didn't even know all of this, and I've known Rich for a long time, so I've known bits and pieces of it over the years. But it's, uh, you know, I think everybody could take away
2: something from these types of stories. And uh, absolutely, I think that it's okay to bring different things to the party. In fact, I, 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 I encourage it. You know, I, I think that especially this industry, you have to have your your finger on the pulse of so many different things that the more experiences and pitfalls. And, uh, you know, again, I mean, this is I'm I'm bringing up the high points <laughs> of my career, probably yeah, the most and wisdom and experience. Another episode for the yeah, low yeah. points. Exactly. <laughs> there, there's several. a whole lot. There's an, exactly we could run a whole episode on. A, let me show you the ways I screwed up. And, you know, but uh you know this this, this is at least the uh, i guess uh, i guess it's fitting at the end of the year to be able to kind of reminisce on on 30 years in
0: well, i i think it's real important um and and I, and we will wrap up um and and uh, but but i think the thing that to, to get from this for those of you out there listening is is that um most people have taken an indirect journey to get to where they are and also just think about the different choices that Rich made and think about the different ways that he's been able to reinvent himself, but also the fact that he's built up this asset that he can always fall back to. And I think that that's really what makes what we do so cool and so different from many other industries. Um, Rich, how, how, we are going to have you back, but how can people get in touch with you, um, learn more about what you're up to, I'm um, sure, certainly share about a state of
2: control as well. Absolutely. Uh, if you want to find me, you can find me on the socials um, at our Fregosa, as usually most of them. If you want to find out about the company uh, or more information, um, you can find us for um, You can type my name into the interwebs and interesting things always come up. Uh, but yeah, if if you want to find other spots, uh, I'm glad to, that you have me here. But we have a couple of shows on AV Nation uh, aviation.tv You can find me with Steve state of control as we prepare for, uh, episode one hundred one through two in, in our run. I call it the run to 200 as Steve and I prepare for the run to 200 for the next nine years. Uh, but yeah, you can find us there, uh, as well, but, uh, yeah, thanks for having me, man. This was, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always more interested in hearing everybody else. Cause I find everybody else far more fascinating than me, but, um, uh, thanks for giving me the opportunity to kind of, you know, I guess, uh, uh, kind of walk a couple of steps through my life. As I guess I like, am getting older, I kind of, kind of scratch my head going, huh, managed to do that. And I was like, boy, there was a lot of ways it could have gone wrong, but I guess I got lucky along the way.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And I thank you for sharing and thank you for also enlightening our audience. Cause as you said before, we're, we're kind of in that mode of being needing to pass along knowledge and help the next generation, uh, fill our shoes. So, um, James, any closing thoughts from you and uh, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about what you're up to?
1: Uh, So closing thoughts. Um, One, I want to thank uh, Richie for joining us. This is like, I'm trying to, how do you say this? It's like when that grandparent comes over for the holiday and you find yourself sitting on the floor engage in all the stories and that's why i, I like why i like loved state control and all this just hearing the history and this i like i didn't want to stop <laughs> like it was like i could go on all day listening to this it was great Um uh, so thank you richie and again you guys can find me uh twitter av underscore james king um i'm out there google me you will definitely find me and for me, you
0: can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media, my company, uh, controlconcepts.net, where I do some writing there and uh, with some other publications. And uh, of course, uh, on the monthly estate of control with Rich and uh, we're gonna, con- our, our agents have done a good job of extending our contracts. So we'll be back for uh, as long as they'll have us and we'll, we'll continue that journey. But um, we, we look at this show as being a, a a nice compliment to that. And if you want to get involved in, in this or a state of control, please reach out to us. Uh, we'd love to have you. We want to continue to highlight uh, our, our audience and um, both answer the questions that people are curious about with regard to programming and control, as well as being able to share some more uh, of the, the different aspects of the industry and uh, what pertains to uh, our special uh Corner of and uh, our niche in in AV, um, please check us out on um, YouTube, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and so forth. Leave a rating review, share an episode. We really like to hear from you. And uh, we are also uh, approaching episode one hundred, so we're excited about that as well. So uh, please check us out and uh, uh, share us with your friends. And uh, and that's what we have for today. And this has been. Ask the programmer.